Hutchinson with a takeaway. It was a disaster in Detroit. The Panthers commit three turnovers, including that one in a 42-24 loss to the Detroit Lions. Plenty to break down here on Charlotte Sports Live tonight. And a wild one at the Roval at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Do you expect anything less for the track tonight with team coverage from today's Bank of America Roval 400? And with that, we welcome you into Charlotte Sports Live. Grace Grill and Gabe McDonald with you tonight as we try to help you cope with the pain and the frustration that has become this Carolina Panthers Everybody season. Everybody do it with me. Woosa. Woosa. We'll do our best to find the positives in today's loss. Plus, we'll head out to Charlotte Motor Speedway for Roval reaction, but we start with highlights from the Motor City. And let's go ahead and make our way up to Detroit at Ford Field. It was a rematch from the preseason here in week five between the Panthers and the Lions. Of course, Carolina looking to avoid falling to 0-5 on the season, and things didn't look too good to start out in this one. First drive of the game for Detroit, David Montgomery on the power play to the far side. He finds daylight and takes it to the house for a 42-yard touchdown. The Lions drive 81 yards in just three plays, making it look easy. They strike first over Carolina. That was Montgomery's fourth straight game with a touchdown. All right, and soon Panthers drive. Carolina dials up a screen. Bryce Young looking for Ian Thomas, but instead it was picked off by that guy, Aiden Hutchinson, who makes a great play. Lions set up just outside the red zone. They would end up turning that takeaway into points. Jared Lugoff would hit Sam Laporta for a TD. The Panthers back on the move after that score, but here's a pretty scary moment for Carolina. Rookie Chandler Zavala falling to the ground on this carry by Chuba Hubbard. He would be down on the field for a while, and as you see, the entire Panthers sideline out on the field with the cart coming out, but this is the sign we were all yes. looking for. Zavala giving a thumbs up. He would be taken to a local hospital for evaluations. He is alert and has all movement in his extremities, and he also flew back with the team tonight, so that is great news. Yeah, this is also great. Panthers finish off that drive with points. Bryce Young to Tommy Tremble. Young hits the tight end for his first receiving touchdown of the season. Panthers cut that deficit in half early in the second quarter. But then following a turnover on downs by the Lions, Carolina back to work here. Miles Sanders on the carry, but the ball pops loose. McNeil punching it out for the Lions, and it's Will Harris scooping it up for Detroit. Sanders with just seven carries for 32 yards today. And the Lions, they also turned that turnover into points with a touchdown pass from Goff to Josh Reynolds. And this is when we saw things start to spiral out of control. Very first play of the Panthers' next drive. Young trying to find fellow rookie Jonathan Mingo, but he's picked off by Jerry Jacobs. Sits in the zone and comes up with the interception. Second pick of the day for the top overall pick. Turnovers were a real thorn in the Panthers' side in this matchup today. That's one of those, those mistakes that you just simply can't make. And the worst thing about those turnovers is that all of them turn into points for Detroit. The Lions going into their bag of tricks on the very next play. Sam LaPorta capitalizing on the double flea flicker. Goff hits the tight end for a 31-yard score there. And this one is heading towards the blowout status. The Lions of 28-10 at the break. And then in the second half, the Panthers still trying to put up a fight there. DJ Chark on the touchdown. The former Lion getting that score from Bryce Young. That would cut the deficit to 35-17, but that celebration would be short-lived. Chris Reynolds would respond with another touchdown for Detroit. Hey, Panthers wouldn't go away just uh, like that, though. They would get that one here from Adam Thielen. He reaches across the goal line for that one, but it uh, that would be it. Panthers can't get the onside kick, and they drop to 0-5, 42-24, your final. Mike Lissette is in Detroit tonight with more on this one. In regard to Panthers rookie quarterback Bryce Young, it felt like two steps forward, one giant step back. Guys and passing yards and touchdowns were good. The turnovers were not. Young had two interceptions. Both happened deep in Carolina territory and it resulted in two easy scores from the Detroit Lions. After the game, Young took ownership of his mistakes. He's got to start playing better. 
and he knows he's got to start doing it now. It's it's tough. You know, you put your your, your defense in a tough situation. Um, they're a really good, um, really good team. A really good offense as well. So it's not like they need any handouts. And then you you already set them up. So um, you know, th those are on me, and I have to do a better job eliminating those. Now, to be clear, Young alone was not responsible for all of Carolina's downfall. The worst of the turnovers had to have been the one from Miles Sanders. At that point in the first half, Carolina was down seven. After that mistake, though, things fell apart. Detroit scored. Young got picked, and then Detroit scored again. What we've talked about is, you know, make teams beat us. Make them go the long road. So um, we haven't been able to put together a game yet where I feel like we've been able to do that. So as coaches and players, we have to take responsibility for that and keep working to get better. So Carolina drops to 0-5 for the first time since 2010. It's not their worst start. That happened back in 1998 when they went 0-7 to begin the season. Good news is we're not there yet. Not done with our coverage either. Coming up later in the show, we're going to talk about the defense and what they did wrong in Carolina's fifth loss of the year. All right, thank you, Mike. So this is a tough one because it's – the problem is that we're getting to a dangerous territory because we don't know where the standard is. On one hand, it's this is the best offensive game that we have seen Bryce Young play in terms of yards, completions, touchdowns, right. except his three touchdowns come with two interceptions. So it's like it's, you I take mean, the good with the bad. You got the good with the bad. You got the angel on one shoulder, the devil on the other one. I think the big thing, too, it's like you can see him making, despite the turnovers, you can see him steadily making some progress, but still those two mistakes are just in your own territory, especially to start off those drives. Those are mistakes that you simply cannot make. Of course, they've run a lot of screens in the past. Aiden Hutchinson, a good defensive end, is going to pick up on that quickly. Obviously, that was a play where Bryce Young, if he has a little bit more experience, he's throwing that ball into the dirt. And then the second one, just a simple cover two, the corner read it perfectly. But I think what we saw them, I think we sp they spread the ball out a little bit more. I still would like to see some other guys get involved. No Terrace Marshall Jr., pretty much absent in this one. And Amir Smith-Marset, a guy who they really liked his route running. They liked what he could bring to this team. Really haven't seen him do much outside of the return game, and I think that's a big thing, too. you got to be able to find ways to be more creative and get other guys the ball as well. Well, you mentioned them spreading the ball around. Bryce able to hit seven different receivers, but the one thing we were looking for in this game was how well they were going to be able to get that ground game going. We have been talking about this all season long, and we knew it was going to be a challenge against a Detroit team like this. Your thoughts on, on the ground? I mean, still not able to crack that 100 yards rushing. I think we need to have a conversation, a serious one, about Miles Sanders. This groin injury, is it aggravating him a little, a little bit more than we think? I think that might be the case because he simply hasn't been able to get going at all through any of these games. And just that fumble today, I mean, you saw him on the sideline there just looking, I mean, just really out of it, honestly. It looked, I mean, he was very disappointed with himself. I think we need to see a little bit more of Chuba Hubbard. And, hey, LaVisca Chenault, 5.4 yards per carry today. He's a guy that's tough to bring down. He's a guy that you get him out in space yeah. and give him the ball, he can make plays. I'd like to see him be a lot more involved in this offense. And you can use him in, in a lot sure. of different ways as well. Um, we were racing today in yeah. Charlotte, believe it or not. Charlotte Motor Speedway playing host to the Bank of America Roval 400 today. The final cutoff race for the round of 12. And it's Tyler Reddick who would open the race with the lead, and he would hold on to it to take stage one, earning himself a playoff point. Bubba Wallace would finish second in the first stage. When we go to stage two, lap 36, Chase Elliott. And yeah, he's still racing. Looking to snap a 29-race winless streak as he takes the lead from Christopher Bell here. He would not snap that streak today, but he would win stage two under a caution that was brought out by a collision between Corey LaJoy and Josh Balicki. Denny Hamlin would also clinch a spot in the next round of 
points. We move on to the final stage. Kyle Busch could really use a win, but the 16, A.J. Allmendinger would take the lead from him here, and he would hold on to win it. A.J. Allmendinger wins the Bank of America 400, his third Cup Series win and first since 2021. All three of his Cup Series wins, believe it or not, have come on road courses. Carla Gebhardt continues our coverage tonight from Charlotte Motor Speedway. Thanks so much, guys. Yeah, the round of 12 wrapping up here at Charlotte Motor Speedway and what a roval it was. Tyler Reddick won stage one, Chase Elliott won stage two, but then the field was really flipped and it was A.J. Allmendinger of Colleague Racing that went on to win this one. It was his first win at the Cup Series level since 2021 when he won at the Indy Road Course. He held off William Byron and a surging Kyle Busch at the end of this one. Kyle Busch unfortunately did not advance, neither does Ross Chastain, Bubba Wallace or Brad Brad Keselowski, their season comes to an end in the playoffs here at Charlotte Motor Speedway. But A.J. Allmendinger overcome with emotion here at this one. And, of course, you can tell that by his voice. Let's take a listen. Because you don't know when you're going to do it again. Um, I love all the men and women at Color Racing so much. Uh, First of all, out of my beautiful wife, my new baby boy. I usually give these checkered flags away, but I'm going to have to wrap this around Arrow. Uh, my mom and dad, all my family and friends, um, those people see how much anguish and how much I put it on my shoulders when we're struggling. And I mean, it just means the world. Like, I, I hate crying right now, but it, you just, it's a freaking cup race, man. You don't know when it's ever going to happen again. So we just heard from a very emotional AJ Allmendinger and rightfully so, but now I am joined by the athletics Jordan Bianchi and Jordan, honestly, the cautions at the end of this race really kind of threw everything off as somebody that covers NASCAR all of the time every weekend. How did you think this one ended up and how much did those cautions come into play? It came into play a lot and I thought it was gonna be a lot more messier than it was because he kept giving Kyle Busch an opportunity to get that win that he needed to advance to the next round. And obviously AJ Allmendinger had a faster car, but Kyle was right there with him and it just kind of re-racked everything and it kept Kyle gave Kyle an opportunity to say hey maybe I can push the issue here a little bit and he wasn't able to close the deal but as you get those more cautions you always think there are going to be more cautions after that and it wasn't quite the level of mayhem that we we thought we were going to see. Looking ahead, we've got Las Vegas, right? And this is a track that I think a lot of drivers like, but a lot of big names out of the playoffs now. And so how do you think this is going to really shape up and who are your favorites moving forward? Well, I mean, so far we've seen a lot from Denny Hamlin and really all of Team Toyota so far. And the question is, is Martin Truex Jr., the regular season points champion, hasn't finished better than 15th so far in the playoffs, but yet he still keeps squeaking by <laughs> to the next round. And Las Vegas is a really, really good track for that team. Can they right the ship and, and kind of get things pointing in the right direction? Or is this skid that they're on going to continue? And then Tyler Reddick, who's had a really good playoff so far, won a race at Kansas, also drives a Toyota. That's a really good track for him. It's one of those Toyota drivers, maybe Denny Hamlin, who's been really hot as well, going to punch their ticket to the championship four. All right, we will find out in the round of eight in Las Vegas next week. Thanks, Jordan. And for now, we'll send it back to you guys. All right, thanks, Carla. And just another great storyline, uh, you know, to have the race yeah. in Charlotte. I think it's always special when you race at Charlotte, especially a – a race that means so much in the playoffs just because it is the home of racing. And you, and you love to see the stories like that. I mean, and, and hopefully he's racing full-time next year. He wasn't ready to touch on that, though. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think the big thing, too, I think having a road course in the playoffs always just spices things up. I mean, he's a guy that obviously is, gets it done well on road courses. You have a guy like Tyler Reddick as well 
who was able to advance to the next round. But you got to think about some of these big names. Kyle Busch missing out. Bubba Wallace really had a great season. A heck of an effort by him. You know, him and Michael Jordan had a moment afterwards. You know, you would have liked to have seen him get on to the next round. But luckily, 2311 will be represented. Denny Hamlin, the team owner, or co-owner, I guess I should say, and then Tyler Reddick as well. But I think you look at it at this point, I think it's really William Byron's championship to lose. He's just been dominant yeah. all season long, already has six wins, has already won so far in the playoffs. So I think you look at a guy like him, you also look at Denny as well. He's always a guy that's come really close to winning, finally got a win in the playoffs recently. Now I think he might be able to, like uh, Jordan and Carla just alluded to, be able to get it done in Vegas and get some more momentum too. Well, it's funny, you know, Danny Hamlin still still looking for that one, but then you have yeah. the Charlotte kid. A lot of good storylines is sure. what makes NASCAR playoff racing great. But when we come back here on Charlotte Sports Live, the Panthers' defense has tried to be great. It held its own to start the year, but then they ran into a buzzsaw that was in Detroit. We will hear from defensive tackle Derek Brown as we got his thoughts after today's game. And checking out the NFC South, the Bucks on a bye today, but everyone else was in action. We'll see how the Falcons and Saints fared next here on Charlotte Sports Live. Here on CSL, let's take a trip around the NFC South. Derek Carr and the Saints march all the way up to Gillette Stadium to face Mac Jones and the Patriots. Fourth quarter, first quarter, Mac Jones on third and six gets the ball out and drops it right into the hands of Tyron Matthew. The Honey Badger taking what he wants and taking it back to the house for a 27-yard pick six and 7-0 Saints. Second quarter, Saints at about the two-yard line. It's Alvin Kamara, second game back from suspension, punches it in, and that puts New Orleans up 14-0. Then the Saints would add one more for good measure before they have Derek Carr finding Chris Olave in the back of the end zone. Saints up 21-0 at the break in the Patriots. They couldn't catch a break. Here's Jones in the second half, and it's his second pick of the day, and it goes right into the hands of Pete Warner off the tip drill right there. Jones would be pulled from the game after that, the second week in a row that he's been benched in the second half. And, hey, it didn't matter. The Saints, they pitch a shutout 34-0 of the Patriots. All right, how about C.J. Stroud and the Texans facing Desmond Ritter and the Atlanta Falcons. First quarter, Atlanta at the 7. Desmond Ritter will fake the handoff, and he's going to keep it. Touchdown, Atlanta. Falcons lead it 7-3. Fourth quarter now. Texans lead it 12-7. Ritter flips it to Bijan Robinson, Insane. and the rookie takes it in for the touchdown. You got to watch this again because this is just crazy. One-handed, controls it. I mean, you don't see first-year guys make that play. Atlanta back on top 15-12 after going for two. Under two to go here. C.J. Stroud to Dalton Schultz for the 18-yard touchdown, and Houston takes a one-point lead. There is one second on the clock now. Young Hoku for Atlanta, gonna try to win it, and he clears the 37-yarder. Falcons win it, 21-19. All right, back to the Carolina Panthers. A tough day for the defense against the Lions, but you can't pin it all on them. The offense did have three first-half turnovers that the Lions converted for 21 points. Yeah, defensive tackle Derek Brown stopped by to talk with us following the loss this afternoon. Here he is with Michael Set up in Detroit. Derek Brown, uh, six tackles in today's 42-24 loss to the Detroit Lions. I know last week was very frustrating. I can't imagine how frustrating this week was. How are you guys feeling right now? It feels like it sucks, man. It's, uh, it's an embarrassing loss today. Um, you know, all three phases, we didn't get it done today, and, uh, you know, we got to get back to work Monday. They came out, and the plan going into this one was everyone was talking about how devastating their running attack was, and yet they came out passing. Did that sort of get you on your heels a little bit early on? No, man. We prepare for all this stuff during the week. We got to be able to execute. What about their running attack? What made that tough to tough to stop? I mean, we had it up in the first half, and you know, it, it had a they had an explosive play. I mean, that's all I can tell you. At the end of the day, I mean, 
then week in and week out, we've got to come in and stop it, man. And uh, we've got to find a way to stop it. How do you do that? How do you recover from this at this you point? Go back to work. Go back and work. I've got to ask you, seeing Chandler go down like that, where were you when you watched the play, and, and, and what were you thinking? I was on the sideline, didn't even get a chance to see the play. Just saw him laid out at the end, and, you know, my prayers to him. Um, you know, his family's probably at home worried. Prayers to, him, prayers to them. And uh, we'll figure out what's wrong with him, hopefully get him back down to Charlotte and uh, be able to see him tomorrow. When you see something like that, I mean, obviously you guys are a team, but you're a family. How does that affect you guys? I mean, you lost a brother. Um, you know, not really sure, you know, what's the extent of that. And, uh, you know, I'll be praying for him and reaching out and trying to figure out what's going on. I want to end this on something positive here. I mean, I know you guys are struggling. I know you guys are 0-5. I know there's a lot of concern. But how confident are you in that this situation that, that can be turned around? Man, we got the guys, man. Let me tell you that. We got the guys. We got to get out here and we got to execute. Stop. We got to stop making so many mistakes in all three phases. And, I mean, we got we to gotta, we gotta play as a team. We got to show one week, one week at a time that we can play as a team. Miami next week. Best of luck to you. Thank you. Appreciate your time. Derek Brown, guys, back to you. Appreciate it, Mike. Well, let's brighten up your evening with something positive. We're sharing this week's high school football top plays coming up next. Plus, we are almost to the bye week, but first, Carolina faces the best offense in the league down in Miami. We'll take a look at what the Panthers have coming up on the schedule when we come back here on Charlotte Sports Live. Back to the Panthers in a second, but how about something everyone can smile about? DJ Chark's rapping skills got him on the Madden soundtrack. However, the Panthers wide receiver isn't the only one in Charlotte with talent. Michael said has more in this week's edition of the Blitz Top Plays. Ford Field, oh, this man. is the deal. I'm trying to think DJ of something Chark fire, though. I got to punch like Holyfield. Ooh. Oh, my Maybe goodness. you should be doing uh, this. Yeah, you heard it. As the world discovered this week, I can rhyme. So if you've got the time, here's the hits. We're talking top plays from this week's Blitz. Oh my, it's about to get fun. First up, nominee number one. Jason Black showed all kinds of fight. Against Carson, he was a delight. With his strength, he refused to go down. This Northwest Cabrera star just wants this week's crown. Up next is pick number two. Sawyer Ducey, man, we're looking at you. Thanks to his hit, Porter Ridge got into the fumble. In defeat to Weddington, though, it had to stay humble. Rounding things out is our third nominee. Off to the races, Zach Melton got free. 90 yards for a Monroe score, a final of 55-7. Parkwood said no more. To decide which was the best, well, you know the rest. Vote at CSL on QCN. And my friends, we'll crown a winner again. Hey, Madden 25, when they come out, I got somebody to write my verse already. Awesome stuff there. Appreciate it, Mike. Don't forget to vote on our X page. Meanwhile, the losses, yeah, they are adding up for Carolina. It's eight straight if you count the preseason, which we don't, but having at least one win of any fashion would be nice at this point. And next week down in Miami could be really bad if that Dolphins offense plays up to their potential like they have so far. And after that, it's a very merciful bye week that I think a lot of people here in the Carolinas are looking forward to. So when you see that upcoming schedule, you know, I, obviously I know before the season I went on record saying – Eight to nine wins, I don't think they get to that point. I'm thinking now you're looking at three, maybe five. I mean, it's just looking rough at this point. This team hasn't really shown me anything yet that gives me that kind of confidence. What say you? Yeah, it's looking really, really rough. And I hate, I, you know me, I hate yeah. being negative. But when you, when you look at this schedule. We got to proof. Yeah, and like today, like I made the point earlier, like this is the most productive offensively that we've seen the Panthers with Bryce Young starting at quarterback. But the three touchdowns, it came with two interceptions that turned into points. And a, and a team like 
Detroit is going to do that to you. And you don't think Miami's going to do that? Now, the saving grace in Miami might be that they don't have the defense necessarily that Detroit has. But you go through the schedule, and it's like, all right, I'm not giving them Miami. Texans, you want to say Bryce is going to come out and ball out against C.J. Stroud, but I don't think that happens. I think think those two games, and I said that from the jump because I knew that this first – these first six weeks were going to be tough with what they were going up against, even having the two divisional games. I always said those next two after the bye are must-wins, and I believe they still are. I believe those are games that the Panthers can still win. I think coming off of next week, I think it's going to be rough because you said the Dolphins don't have the defense, but the speed on the outside against this banged-up secondary, they're definitely going to be able to take it. We're running out of, like – things to talk about because I feel like we're just on our broken record. But, like, maybe maybe it has something to do with the time of day they play. They're playing all these ones. They play decent <laughs> in Seattle. That was technically 4 o'clock our mm-hmm. time. So, maybe maybe the Bears, they play better at night. I don't know. So, we need to just take the Panthers and put them on the West Coast? Play maybe. it 4 all week? I don't know. <laughs> something. We got to do something. All right, up next, we're going to recap everything that went down between the Panthers and Lions. Former Carolina defensive end Al Wallace stops by to give us his take. And we'll take a closer look at that Panthers defense to hopefully try and figure out what exactly went wrong against Jared Goff and the Lions. All that and so much more coming up on Charlotte Sports Live. Score in the first, Bryce Young tries to dump it, but it goes into the hands of Aiden Hutchinson, Young's first of two picks today. But he did throw for three touchdowns. Here's the first to Tommy Tremble. Game is still very much manageable at this point, but things quickly got out of hand. Here's Detroit. I mean, they're just having fun with this one at this time. Double flea flicker, and the Lions hit Sam Laporta up the sideline. 31-yard touchdown. Panthers trailed by 18 at the half. They're down 25 now in the fourth, but they cut into that deficit. Young to DJ Chark. That looked good. Adam Thielen would add another touchdown. But the Panthers go down in Detroit, 42-24. Carolina now 0-5 on the season. Let's check back in now with Mike Lissette inside Ford Field. Granted, the offense with their three turnovers was not helping matters, but Carolina's defense also played a part in its demise. You know, it's interesting going into this one, the talk for Carolina, the toughest thing about the Lions was going to be their running attack, but it actually turned out to be Detroit's passing game. Jared Goff, in particular, was spectacular, 20-28, three touchdowns in the air, 236 yards, and then one touchdown on the ground. He played a huge part in Detroit's 42-24 victory over Carolina. It feels like it sucks, man. It's, uh, it's an embarrassing loss today. Um, you know, all three phases, we didn't get it done today, and uh, we got we to gotta, we gotta play as a team. Of course, Detroit's run game was also very effective. They got three touchdowns on the ground, including one from David Montgomery, who finished with 109 yards. You know, you get to this position, and no one envisioned this. Uh, no one envisioned this. And so you have to, you know, this is the embodiment of keep pounding. And the only way you do that is if you believe, you know, if you believe it's going to make a difference. Otherwise, you just check out. And if Carolina thought things were tough today, we'll just wait until next week. They are at Miami taking on the Dolphins, who own the best offense in the entire league. That is going to be a big challenge. Reporting from Ford Field, I'm Mike Lissette, Charlotte Sports Live. Well, we've got Al Wallace joining us here. I mean, you're the only one of us that has played a snap in the NFL. Just your initial reactions after this game. I think it's disappointing. Uh, I played the game. I've been on those those football fields, and you know what the feeling is in the locker room to having lost and the expectations of putting so much work into a season and having fall short 
five straight times. It has to be difficult, and I feel the guys now uh, trying to come back here to Charlotte. And when you look at Bryce Young, obviously setting career highs in touchdowns, first three touchdown game, over 240-something yards, but the two interceptions, especially the one to Hayden Hudson, you're deep in your own territory. You can't have those plays in those moments. But overall, the grand scheme of things, your impressions of him after his fourth start in the league. When you look all over the tape, you can see the things that makes Bryce Young special, that separated him from the other two quarterbacks that were drafted pretty high this year. But it's the mental errors. It's the processing. The one thing we were told that Bryce was going to be capable of doing, he can't turn it over. He did it twice today. It's been something that's plagued him all season. If he doesn't fix him, fix this, it's going to continue to hurt the team. Well, the other thing I asked Frank Reich, too, is because you're starting to see the defense was the one that was carrying them through the first couple of games, and now you're starting to see them kind of slide off a little bit. You saw it in that game today where they're keeping them in games, but now, I mean, they're getting tired. Yeah, it's a long season, and the legs are going to wear down. The weather's going to change. It's going to get a lot colder, and that defense just doesn't have the depth. So unless yeah. they fill some, add some pieces, bring some bodies, get some bodies back healthy, it's going to be a difficult season. Teams are going to pound them at the end of games, and we've seen that five straight re weeks in the fourth quarter. And it's never a good thing when your two safeties are leading you in tackles. <laughs> I mean, obviously the Lions is able to completely gash them today, but when you look at, you know, obviously – Brian Burns only had one sack, you know, not relatively, you know, play, playing up to his standard in the game. You know, just where do you see that unit being able to regroup? Because it seems like it's always a tale of two halves on that side of the ball. I just think they have to get Burns and Chin and some of the other guys back to being disruptors. Brian Burns has not had that game outside of maybe that opening day against the Falcons when he comes up and destroys, uh, you, you know, the team there. But outside of that, he's not been very disruptive. Is he making plays? Absolutely, he's that type of player, but they have to find a way to get him more involved, be very disruptive, and let the rest of the guys feed off that. Always good to check in with Al Wallace, tenior NFL vet and our analyst on BBKL. Not everyone is a fan of the Charlotte Roval, but up next, Charlotte goes one-on-one -on -one with the championship contender who let his real feelings, tell him how you really feel, let him know about the road course being known that's coming up on CSL. Back here on CSL, we're going to take you back to the Roval. A.J. Allmendinger is your win winner at Charlotte Motor Speedway. But even with the win, he won't be competing for a Cup Series championship. He's the first non-playoff driver to win a playoff race this season. But here's the great eight that will try to win it all. William Byron, Martin Trex Jr., Denny Hamlin, Kyle Larson, Chris Buescher, Christopher Bell, Tyler Reddick, and Ryan Blaney, who won the Coke 600 at Charlotte earlier this year. Carla Gebhardt caught up with one of these guys following the checkered flag. Martin Truex Jr. is moving on to the round of eight and certainly a big finish, a lot of cautions, a lot of drama, especially in the third stage. How much of a sigh of relief is it that you are moving on to the next round? Well, it's always a relief. It's always a good feeling, you know, to go on and, uh, you know, be able to fight another day. So today wasn't by far our greatest day, but um, we got some good tracks coming up for us and uh, renewed enthusiasm going to Vegas. So. We're excited about that, and uh, we'll go see what we can do with it. Former teammate Kyle Busch, at the end, almost a win for him. That would have knocked you out. How much was your team communicating with you in all of that? Uh, they were keeping me updated on what was going on, but, I mean, at the end of the day, I can't change what happens up there. I just got to worry about my race and try to do the best I could. Just um, for whatever reason, our car really really fell off the you know, second half of the race, and um, no matter what we did to it, we couldn't, we couldn't get any life back in it. So it was a frustrating day, long day, but... You know, happy, happy we're moving on and uh, get to reset. That's what it's all about these days. Just, we got to be ready to go next week. And we had, we already know that the Roval is going to be on the schedule for next season. Are you happy to see it back, or do you kind of have mixed feelings about that? The Oval coming back? The Roval. The Roval coming back? I'm not excited about that. <laughs> I, I can't stand this place.
Hey, tell us how you really feel. Charlotte FC is telling everybody how they really feel. They seem to have found some life putting together back-to-back -to -back wins this week to remain in the playoff hunt with just two matches remaining in the regular season. Charlotte FC put out the fire in Chicago last night. A 2-0 victory for the crown. That earned them three points. Captain Ashley Westwood scored the opening goal in the 23rd minute, and Carol Swiderski added the second after FC drew a penalty. Charlotte has now won two straight after defeating Toronto 3-0 in the midweek match after a stretch where the crown went 1-5 with nine draws. Charlotte now sits in 12th place on 39 points, which is one point below the cutoff line in the Eastern Conference standings. Two playoff spots remain up for grabs in the 19th field with two matches remaining. Charlotte will play both against Messi and Inter-Miami. We take the, the last two performances into it. Like I said, we've, we're confident. Even we, people had written us off weeks ago. We knew, we knew how well we were playing. We knew what we were doing to teams on the pitch. When we play well, we, we're a real force to be reckoned with. And the, the, way we, the way we control games, we're starting to score goals now. So everything's, everything's clicking at the right time. And I'm sure we, if we do, if and when we do get there, we'll be a, a team that no one will want to play, that's for sure. All right, so checking out the Eastern Conference table here. Charlotte has improved their positioning with two straight wins. They sit just one point back of the ninth and final playoff spot. They are 12th, but could jump as high as eighth if they win the final two matches against Inner Miami. I mean, quite a turnaround for a team that we thought had no playoff chance just two weeks ago. And what's exciting is that we're starting to see them close out these games where, you know, for a while there during that stretch where it was like, okay, we get ahead two goals or right. three goals or whatever, and then they give up that lead where shutting those two, these last two out, that's been impressive. And that's a big thing too. I think, you know, uh, Christian Latanzio always talked about being able to finish in the last third of the field, whether yep. that's on offense or defense. And that's what we're starting to see now. Carol Swiderski, I mean, just a great performance by him. And Christian Kalina in the goal, I think they're really starting to come on and do a lot better things. But I think being able to finish in each third, that's been their big thing. And hey, this seems like to always be the case. They get it done towards the end of the season. Messi is looking like he's going to be hurt. He, he still has, has been missing the past few matches. So if he's not on the pitch, got to feel good about those, their chances in those two matches, especially that last one here at home. And Charlotte's MLS Next Pro Team, meanwhile, they got their first taste of playoff experience tonight. Crown Legacy FC hosted Columbus Crew 2 in the Eastern Conference semifinals. Unfortunately, the crew were the better squad today, edging Charlotte 1-0. But still a great season for the boys in their inaugural year play. All right, well, one big piece notably missing on the Panthers is right guard Austin Corbett. He returned to practice this week after missing nine months as he recovered from a torn ACL. As he continues to progress back into the lineup, Carla Gebhardt sat down with the big man and got to talk more than just football. All right, so I'm going to be one of many people that are going to ask you right. this, but uh, how are you feeling and how's the knee right now? You had your first yeah. day of practice earlier this week. How, mm -hmm. how are you? Uh, knee's doing good. No, no, no flare-ups or anything, nothing. Nothing crazy there. Um, first day getting back to it, being in full pads was definitely interesting. Um, technique felt terrible, <laughs> just <laughs> hard on yourself as always, but I uh, felt really good just to be back out there for sure. Do you get butterflies just being back in the pads? I mean, it's been a long time, right? Right, nine months. Um, no, because like you get that first hit and then it's gone. And you're like, oh, okay, I know what to do. I've done this for a lot of, a lot of games. Have you been nervous at all thinking about getting back to ball or kind of how has that process been with your doctors? Um, my kind of mindset is they wouldn't let me do something if I wasn't ready for it. Um, so when I, when I came to just even walking without crutches or running on my own and, and even now with practice, 
they wouldn't let me be out there if I, if I wasn't safe and, and doing the right thing. So um, I know if my trust in them, like that allows me just to play, you know, not have to worry about it on the field. So you had a lot of time to rehab your knee and I had a lot of time on Instagram. And so it became right. a, a big thing for Panthers fans to tune into your Instagram story and see all the questions that you right. came up with. First of all, <laughs> how did you come up with this many questions? And uh, what was that like, just interacting with people on Instagram? Yeah, so it, kinda, it came about in those, those early days, early weeks uh, after surgery, because when I I'd go to rehab, but I would just stay on the same table for four or five hours at a time. It's like, it's boring. <laughs> it really is just boring. And so just to be able to kind of get away from the actual work and uh, just get some interaction that way, uh, just all the talk that we had to generate ourselves when, <laughs> with the trainers and, and, and medical staff and everybody for so long, uh, you know, we had to generate talk and, and come up with different things. And so uh, just being able to get questions like that and a lot of varying opinions out there, that's for sure. Was there a, a favorite question, a most responded to question that you can really remember? I know um, it's kind of hard to think back, but. Uh, what I figured out is like the, the polls were generally a lot more interactive. <laughs> People were kind of too lazy to type in their, their response to what it was. Um, I think kind of a lot, a lot of clothing brand questions, kind of shoe brands, um, a lot of personal choice with that. Got, got a lot. Uh, the car, car manufacturers, those sparked <laughs> a good one too. People are, are very stern on, on what they want. Well, let's talk a little bit more about football. Obviously, you've gotten to watch almost like a coach on the sideline in the offensive line, and, and there have been some struggles, some growing pains, mm -hmm. but there's also a lot of really young guys right. on the line right now. So how would you assess kind of what they've been able to do through the first four games? Uh, I think it's like, obviously, uh, get in there week one, lose Brady. And so I have to shift right again. And uh, Throck coming in, so he's been here for two weeks, immediately thrust in there. And um, so just getting those guys to figure out all on the same page. Um, and they, I think they've really continued to grow each week. And, uh, you know, we're not really seeing the results we want right now, but they, they truly have from watching the film. Uh, they're really settling down and, and doing the techniques together and speaking the same language. and. And starting to move together because that's the thing with offensive line is you're trying to get you know you got five guys trying to move and, and act and talk as one and i think they're, they're really starting to settle into those roles and, and they're really just picking up each and every day and we know based off what you told us earlier this week it's going to be maybe a couple of more weeks till we actually right. see you in the pads in a game but how excited and how do you think your presence on the offensive line is going to affect this team moving forward yeah you know i think it's like for me, I try to have a positive outlook that I can, right? Like this, this business is too hard. It's too stressful to, to really let it like just build on you because it, it'll wear you down quick. And so just be able to get out there with the guys again and try to just be an uplift, uplifting spirit for them, just bring some energy for them. Uh, and really just like, like remind the guys to have fun. It's like, it, this is a kid's game. Like you got six rolls running around and it's like, just be a kid, like have fun. understand like you have your job to do, but go do your job and go celebrate when something cool happens. Like. It's too hard of a league to, to really beat yourself up all the time. Always good to chat with Austin Corbett. Up next, it was an opportunity 30 years in the making. The Charlotte Hornets recently let our Mike Lissette try out for their G League squad. Find out if he had what it took to make the team coming up next. Oh, we are coming up on the best time of the year. All five major U.S. sports leagues in action at the same time. That includes your Charlotte Hornets, who begin preseason play on Tuesday in Miami. Then Charlotte travels to D.C. to face the Wizards before finishing off the preseason slate at home against the Thunder and the Celtics. Now, Gabe, if there is one thing that this Hornets organization <laughs> does not need, it is another undersized guard who likes to shoot threes. Oh, wait, me?
<laughs> but then again, for better or worse, they don't have a guy like Mike Lissette. Our Mike recently tried out for Charlotte's G League team to see how he stacks up in the tryout. Yeah, what about how do you expect? I have a confession to make. I am a basketball addict. When I'm not working, I'm hooping. And it's been that way since I was a kid. So when the opportunity came to chase a dream, I knew I had to take my shot. Today is a really exciting day for us as an organization and for the G League as a whole. We're having our uh, open tryout. It's something the Greensboro Swarm have done nearly every year since their inaugural season in the G League back in 2016. Yet in six years, only one player has managed to make the team. I was determined to be the second. The pressure's going to be on, right? The pressure is there. You're going to have to bring your A game. In all, 85 hopefuls attended. What would it mean to you to make this team? Oh, my goodness. I'm not going to lie. If I made a team, I'll bust out crying. Some were really good. I averaged 23 points as a junior in high school, 30 points as a senior. Others, like my 40-year-old self, were just really small. All right, so they assigned us by height, and I was officially the shortest person at the tryout. 5'9 on a good day. Let's do this. My scheduled four-and-a-half-hour tryout was underway on the bench in awkward fashion. Oh, oh my God. You were standing. I'm sorry, Coach. It's been a while since I've been here. Eventually, I'd get to play. Shoot? Well, not so much. It was my one chance, and I blew it. However, I wasn't going down without a fight. Running like a way past his prime Larry Bird, I managed to redeem myself, and for a moment... No, who am I kidding? While I was game, I ultimately was outmatched. And in what I'd like to think was their toughest decision of the day, Sorry. the swarm sent me packing. You're cutting me? Unfortunately, we're going to have to give it a go next year. You better believe I will. Because while it clearly doesn't love me, I still love basketball. Mike Lissette, Charlotte Sports Live. A number? He's wearing number 68. How did he not make the team? Hey, it's perfect. 68 is <laughs> a great basketball number. And of course, I got to give some, some props for being willing to do all of that on camera because I definitely would not. Well, we got more props to hand out with our QC crowns. We check back in with Lissette in Detroit next here on Charlotte Sports Live. Do not forget about Charlotte Sports Live, the podcast, which includes all of our Panthers content that you can't get anywhere else. It can be found wherever you get your favorite podcast, and all you got to do is scan the QR code on your screen right now. Now let's check in with Michael Set and his QC crown tonight from Detroit. Well, guys, I have been to several games at Ford Field in the past. I've never heard it as quiet as it was in the first half when Chandler Zavala went down with that injury. Chandler getting my crown tonight. It was tough seeing him getting carted off the field, but we saw the thumbs up. And from what we've heard, he's in the hospital. He's got use of his extremities. It sounds like he's on the comeback trail in terms of being healthy again, and we just are hoping for the best for Chandler and hope to see him back out here sooner than later. Guys, back to you. All right, thanks, Mike. Well, it is my favorite time of year. MLB postseason, and my crown and I go into Texas Rangers shortstop and Charlotte, North Carolina native Corey Seager playing in the ALDS against the Baltimore Orioles. And today he made history becoming the first player in MLB postseason history to be walked five times in a single game. Rangers took game two in Baltimore, 11 to eight, and they now have a 2-0 lead in the series. That now heads back to Texas. So you definitely didn't want to allow a hit on that guy. My crown tonight, going out to former Clemson star, Kavon Wallace, in his first season with the Cardinals, comes up with a big play, gets his first career pick in the third quarter, 
against the Bengals. A little bit of payback for Wallace, who lost to Joe Burrow in the 2019 national title game against him in LSU. The Cardinals would put up a solid fight, but eventually fell to the Bengals 34-20. Jamar Chase went crazy for everybody on their fans. Yeah. All right, Panthers fans, we got one more week to get through before the bye. They got to face Miami, but we can get through it. For Gabe McDonald, I'm Grace Grell. Have a good night.